Welcome back to another episode of 30 Flirty Surviving. It is episode 80, which I cannot believe I'm saying that. And it's actually going to be the last episode of season three. After this one, we are going to take a couple weeks off and just kind of ease into the summer, recharge, and then we will be back better than ever. So make sure you... Check in on Instagram, 3040surviving, to kind of figure out when that next season will be released with a whole bunch of brand new guests. I, I'm really excited. I think we've had such a good diversity of people lately and like the momentum's flowing. So don't you worry about that little break. It's just going to be stronger and more exciting than ever. Speaking of strong and exciting, my guest today is quite the powerhouse. She is the sole proprietor of Vester Cafe. She started it five years ago. She comes from a family of restaurateurs. She is so like she knows about food and beverage from all over the world. She has experience in so many different areas and she is such a incredible example of a woman who does it all and can have it all. She's very inspiring. I literally spoke with her yesterday for the first time and somehow convinced her to get in the studio with me as soon as today. So you know, like that's that work ethic, right? That you gotta have in the hospitality or the food and beverage industry. So I think it speaks a lot to her character and why she's so successful. Without further ado, let me please introduce to you Miss Nicole Leo. Thank you so much for having me. How are I'm you? I'm blushing. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's that just the lights. It's hot in here. Don't worry. It wasn't me. <laughs> Thank you for that. It's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to have you. I am going to ask you a couple basic questions. I ask all my guests, my little fun icebreakers, just to give everybody the, the 411, if, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Where were you born and raised? Born in Brookline, Mass. The mean streets. <laughs> and I, I uh, was raised and was a lifer at in Weston. So nice. 20 minutes away. Okay. Yeah. Which is interesting because kind of, as I just mentioned or teased a little bit, you've, you know, went to school in New York, which we'll get into. You've traveled and they always come back. We joke around about that. No. It's very much a common theme when it comes to Boston. Everybody leaves the nest, but they always find their way home. The 16-year-old in me would be really disappointed I right know, now. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I was supposed to travel the world, live in a gazillion different countries, and be Mrs. Like Cosmo Cosmopolitan. I love that. Mrs. Worldwide, you know. But here I am. <laughs> Mrs. Pitbull. <laughs> Essentially, maybe in another life, a dream. But here I am. Yes. Well, back. I think you're doing just fine if you ask me. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Sometimes Thank the plan you. changes and that's perfectly okay. We talked about that. How old are you? I'm 32. 32? Same age. Yes. When was your birthday? It will be, well, it's oh. June 4th. About June to turn 4th. 33. Yes. Nice. Yeah. June 4th makes you which zodiac sign? A Gemini. Which. Do you relate to that? So. 
I actually don't really look into horoscopes, and I'm embarrassed to say I'm a Gemini because apparently that's a bad thing. <gasps> no, Hurley's yeah. a Gemini, isn't that right, Hurley? We like Hurley. We love Gemini's. <laughs> um, my dad's a Gemini. My, ja- okay. my dad is my favorite human on planet Earth. I think that. Um, they get a bad rap because Gemini's kind of have, they're like the twin, this split personality. So sometimes it can feel a little Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Okay. Hyde. But if I think that's like, that's the very small percentage. I, I kind of view Gemini's as people that are very adaptable and kind of like can do a little bit of everything. So I actually think it's a huge plus. I think That's they funny. get along with okay, everybody. Good. They thrive in any situation and they're good communicators. I think I'm a pretty good communicator. So that's that's a plus. <laughs> See, I just changed your whole perception, girl. Thank Be proud you. of your Gemini ways, okay? <laughs> <laughs> now I am. Thank I you. I am. If it wasn't for these lights, I think I would still be blinded by that little rock oh, on God. your hand <laughs> over there. So clearly your relationship status is taken. You're engaged. Yes, we are. Yes, I am engaged. And I think I'm getting married next week. I think you are is, too. So this will Friday come. Is, yeah. Next yeah, week. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. By the time they listen to this, it will be next week. That right? week. Yeah. Oh my God, it'll be, it'll be if this that comes week. out on Monday, you're getting married on Friday. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that close. I thought you had a couple weeks. Dang. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. It's been really busy. <laughs> Do you feel like you have all the details sorted out and you're just going to show up, you're ready to go? Or are you feeling a little stressed because it's like the, t- the clock is ticking? No, honestly, I'm more stressed and worried about my work events. <laughs> and it's weird. It's been a funny experience and experiment because I realize our whole lives as women, people I feel set us up for this big day in our lives, mm-hmm. right? You don't always talk so much about the guy that you're going to meet or the college you're going to go to. At least I feel like it's always been like, what are you going to wear? What are you gonna wear for your your What big kind of dress day? do you see yourself yeah. in? Oh, yeah. where's where's it gonna be? And it's like here here it is, and I'm gonna do it at Brookline City Hall. I love that. We're doing a simple dinner that night. I think small group of twenty five and just calling it a day. I think Simple. that is so special to have something that intimate and we can kind of go into it a little bit later in the show. Yeah. But one of the things that you had told me yesterday when we chatted that really resonated and struck a chord with me is that when and not always, I mean, some people, you know, really enjoy like the party and that, that's fun and that's Absolutely. their vibe. And so they're I'm not saying anything, you know, negative there, yeah. but like for you, you know, your love and your connection with your fiance is just so strong and so pure that it doesn't need to be something that's put on show or display for the world. It's of just, course. it's about you two making that commitment to one another and nothing else. Right. I love that and perspective. I, I definitely want to say and advocate that, you know, the wedding is real. I've, right. I've worked in the wedding industry. I've sold weddings. I've overseen and thrown weddings. I've worked in the industry all my life. And so 
it doesn't, if you have a big party, that's okay. And if you have a big party, it doesn't mean that you love your partners, any, your partner, any less. I think it's just, it's what's right for you. And it's been interesting because a lot of people I think have had difficulty understanding what we're doing. Mm -hmm. If you're not following the protocol, there's a lot of questions. When are we allowed to be there? What do we do after? Do we go for photos before, after? Is there a lunch? What time is the dinner? It's like (laughs) people are suddenly like taken out of their comfort zone. It's like, it's actually, you know, it's a contract signing. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's also a marriage, right? Yeah. And all that matters to me at the end of the day is that we're together. So it's not even necessarily the day. That's a big deal. Sure. I'm technically married and not single according to documentation, (laughs) but at the end of the day, it's like, I'm just happy that we're together, that this is my partner and I'm happy and officially committing to someone for the rest of my time. I love someone enough to do that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. absolutely. And what you said too makes a lot of sense as well. Mm -hmm. I obviously had had a lot of women on the show, plus I think of my friends as well and any um, anyone that is either in the beauty industry, it's like my friend who's a stylist, she's like, I never want to do my hair because she's just so sick of doing hair. So it's kind yeah. of funny to me, like you aren't really interested in having this big wedding because you've had to plan and oversee a million weddings. Like so it's it's like you almost want to do the opposite in a sense yeah. too, you know? I, I want to lie back and I would yeah. go on a nice vacation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want it to feel like your day and not necessarily feel like work too. So a that's day cool. off. Yeah. A day mm-hmm. off. I get to tell people to just leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. And my last little bonus question for you before we dive into the real Q&A, since you are the founder and owner of Vester Cafe, I'm curious, what does a cafe owner have for their typical or go-to coffee order? Ooh, for me, fun fact, I actually didn't drink coffee before I started the cafe. No way. Yeah. So... I actually, a lot of the things that I chose for the cafe, I thought about from the perspective of someone if they didn't like it. So if you didn't like it and we got you to try it, you're now hopefully going to love it. Yeah. So if you are able to win me over with this type of coffee bean or this type of tea or that type of white or red wine, because that we also serve alcohol, then that means we've done a good job. So I didn't drink coffee before. I don't drink it every day now because I try to stay, how do you say it? Not reliant on it. I try to yeah, keep- Yeah, it's kind of one of those yeah. things. If you haven't needed it up until this point, I don't try, I try force to, yourself yeah, to get into that away. habit now. Yeah. So, but on the days that I do drink coffee, I usually make myself like an eight ounce latte with sesame milk. It's good for the environment and it's as rich as oat milk. And I dash a little bit of our homemade Madagascar vanilla syrup, just a touch. Okay, that sounds delicious. (laughs) But I mean, sesame milk, I've never heard of it before in my life. There's so many different kinds of milk these days, I can't keep up. When Vester opened, we only carried oat milk and soy. And people were like, what's oat? And now it's like, you don't have oat? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How the shift, how, how the tide has turned. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of cool because I think it's also very telling about how you guys really 
are and always have been a little bit ahead of the curve, right? You're try to be. you're kind of bringing things in that offer people new experiences. Yeah. So if someone has not been over to um, Vestor, you have a location in Cambridge, you have a location in Southie as well. Yes. But if they haven't been inside the cafe yet, how would you describe um, that like elevator pitch when people say, what is Vestor? Vestor is a European inspired cafe. We serve breakfast salad sandwiches. We try to approach it with this idea that I had of daily luxuries. Mm. So things that you recognize like a croissant prosciutto sandwich or a vanilla latte, something super simple, but we try to take it to the next level and make it a luxury, something with finesse. And that is the whole experience from the moment that you walk in, the aesthetic, the person that you talk to, Hopefully, if you've been there before, they know your name, name recognition and knowing our customers is a huge, huge value. And it's a place that is high energy. It has almost a masculine vibe, but it's dominantly ran ran and operated by women. Mm-hmm. And there's dance music playing. It's usually on a pretty high volume. Dang. It's usually not a place that you the daytime club. read. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> totally kind of the vibe I was looking for. Vester is somewhere where you can step into and not really know the time of day. And that was intentional. Cool. So you can go in at 7 a.m., but it could be 5 p.m. Like I wanted to offer food at all times, at all days. So you can have, mm-hmm. frankly, a beer and a burrito at 9 a.m. <laughs> or you could have, you know, a glass of wine and a croissant egg and cheese sandwich at 5 p.m. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like it, you make of it whatever you want. I love that. As you're kind of speaking about it, I haven't been in, so I have to make sure I make that a priority and I get in there. But I like that whether it is the flavors of the menu, the music, the feeling of um, sort of friendship and familiarity, like there's so many different ways where it can transport you once you walk in, right? Either, oh my gosh, these are the flavors of the Italian coast, right? And I I can't, like I haven't had something this good until, or since my trip to Italy, right? Or man, you know, Boston's quite a melting pot. Having it feel like that little small town um, experience when I walk in because they know my name or they know my order makes me think I'm back in the Midwest. Like so many little things that I think people can relate to, um, which make it so unique, but also a unique experience every single time for people too. Of course. And always keeping it refreshed. Like I'm really, really big on Vester always having a constant life cycle. Mm -hmm. There needs to be constantly things that are new and things that are exciting that keep people wanting to go back, right? So we Mm -hmm. have a variety of things that are our classic core menu items, whether it's food or beverage, but we're always rotating fun new seasonal items that keep people on their toes, that is still minimalist, high quality, but still interesting. Mm -hmm. That's key too, because especially as we're becoming more and more health conscious, luxurious doesn't need to mean 500 different ingredients. No, it's it's something approachable. Yes, something that is actually, I think, more appeasing to have three ingredients. 
Oh, of course. It just feels clean. It fe- and three really good ingredients. Less is more. Yes. I less always is tell my more. Team, less is more. Minus one. Always. I'm like, you, you think you have all these things on the plate. I'm like, take away one. What can we do without? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. well, sold. I cannot wait to get in there. We'd love to have uh, you're you. You're probably going to see me in Southie before Cambridge because Cambridge, I just try to avoid at all costs. I'm so sorry. The parking no, is just okay. really horrible. Horrible parking. Forget it. I mean, I don't but know I'll, why anyone I, would go to Kendall. I'll be there. I like, have there. to be there. Yeah, I'll be there in Southie, I promise. Absolutely. And totally, totally two different vibes. Interesting. Southie is like the work from home spot. It's quiet, big windows, lots of workspace, and very lax. Kendall ah. is high energy. Kai goes blasting. Dance music's blasting. Okay, and okay. I take it back. Like, I'll I'll try both. I'll try both. You okay? I'll you got you me. Both. Okay. Any, anytime. You have my invitation. I'll send you an Uber. Uber no, black only. It will be my pleasure. <laughs> Very sweet of you. Um, but now that we know what Vester is, yes. tell us a little bit about who Nicole is. Where did you get started? What was your background? I mean, what'd you go to school for? Give us the sort of brief little glance back at your story. Well, I am first generation Chinese American, 100% Chinese. My parents immigrated from China to create a better life, the the American dream. And I was fortunate enough to be raised and had a wonderful education in Weston. I went to New York University to study broadcasting. I wanted to be a news broadcaster. My parents were in the restaurant industry and they always really instilled a value in us to eat well and to appreciate other cultures and appreciate food. You know, my dad was much older and he would tell us he was pretty much born in the time of war in China and food was a a scarcity. And so I never took advantage or underestimated the, the fact that we had so much food and we could have whatever we wanted. And my parents never wanted me to pursue the restaurant industry, but of course, when it was time to graduate and look for a job, that was all that was on my resume. And I'm like, that's not a coincidence. And so I said, you know what? So many of my memories and my life story has been at the dinner table mm-hmm. in a restaurant at any city in the world or in a hotel. And that's what brings me back home. And I wanted to recreate that experience for others, whether it was at a hotel somewhere in the world or at a dinner table. And that brought me to Chicago. I moved there and I worked at the Langham Hotel and it was opening up for the first time. Their vision was to become the best new hotel in the city of Chicago. And I was so lucky to be a part of that opening team. And I learned so much. I spent three years there and then I came home because my sister opened up her restaurant and I was working with her for two and a half years and it led me to my opportunity to open up Vester. And here we are (laughs) now five years, almost five years of Vester. And it's been an amazing experience. So I guess you don't fall far from the tree. (laughs) I know I'm listening to it and it's just so funny how we try. I think, especially as children, there's this part of us that just innately, I think wants to rebel a little bit, do a little something different and kind of escape what, um, the, the family business maybe, or the, the same things like our parents have done. But 
it always kind of like Boston, right? Like it always just kind of calls us and it's a, it's a part of you. And it's funny that you were not encouraged to get into it by your parents because they do understand that the restaurant industry is extremely challenging. Long yes. days, long hours, you know, nights, weekends, it's around the clock. A lot can go wrong, right? It's, yeah. it's not easy necessarily the easiest thing you have a lot of moving parts Mm -hmm. and so they sort of were saying okay go try something different go try something new and yet you just found yourself picking it back up yes that's essentially what happened that's so funny (laughs) I couldn't have put it better myself that's so funny and um when you when it did come five years ago, the time to, to finally open up Vester and have your own um, property and your own location, what sort of things, when you look back on your experience with your parents and their restaurants, did you say, okay, I really want to try to emulate that or, or mirror that? I think those are some things they did really well, and I want to make sure I incorporate that into either my business model, my structure, how I operate, et cetera. Well, I really admire what my parents did because their restaurant, Sally Lang's, it's it's my mom's maiden name. They really made Sally Lang's a premier gourmet Chinese fine dining mm-hmm. restaurant in the city of Boston, which really wasn't heard of before. And I loved how they pushed the boundaries of what people saw as Chinese cuisine. And they really took it to the next level. I never experienced Sally Ling's at the level of which it was accelerating at in the 1980s. I wasn't born yet, but my dad would tell me stories. You know, they had a cognac cart, a full champagne list. It was a prefix menu. You had to have a reservation. There was a maitre d'. You had to have a jacket. My father designed the Sally Ling's logo as two phoenixes inverted that made a circle. And it was a custom carpet in the restaurant. They had fresh floral arrangements every week. And they played you know, classical music. And it was just very dramatic. Yeah. And I love that. I love the drama. I love the theatrics. And I didn't... Actually, to be fully honest, I didn't think about what they did well and how I can emulate that. Mm -hmm. I think very naturally, maybe by chance of being their daughter, I too wanted to push the boundaries. Yeah. But when I first opened Vester, you know, I can't say that I was like, yeah, let me go create some brand and, you know, challenge the cafe status. No, that wasn't (laughs) the point. Like I opened up Vester with my vision with a hope that we'd just be successful. And, you know, I had never had a business before and it was a huge, huge rent to pay in Cambridge. Like in Kendall Square, it's not cheap. Not cheap. And I just hoped that we made more than we spent. Yeah. But, you know, as time went on, lots of things have happened in the last five years, let alone three. (laughs) Um, But here we are. And it's given me a whole new vision. I think the, you know, the last three years has really allowed me to liberate myself and take chances and go harder with, you know, making the cafe a fun space, Mm -hmm. a cool place, a platform and an opportunity for my staff, my people, my leaders to shine. Yeah. Did you ever contemplate, um, with your parents' restaurants having, you know, paying such homage to your your culture and your roots, wanting to 
be able to honor that in a way? Or were you always kind of, once you made the decision to open up something of your own, did you always know you were going to go the cafe route? I never knew, actually. I never planned to open up a restaurant, let yeah. alone a cafe. <laughs> uh, the opportunity came, and I feel like when you might not always know exactly what your path forward is. I think most often, especially when I talk to my team, a lot of us are uncertain what our future is. We're all always trying to figure out what the next step is, where we're headed to, where we're going. It's really hard to focus on the present. And I think that when you realize an opportunity comes to you, you need to recognize if that opportunity will ever come back. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity to open up a business. And I had that. I was grateful to have it. And I just took it and I just swung for the fences. <laughs> it was I, like, and figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And look where you are now. So yeah. clearly it worked out well for you. But I love that mentality. Adversely, do you think that there are any areas that, if you're not necessarily looking at, okay, I want to make sure I emulate or I model what they did. Anything that you saw where you said, I I don't want to do that. I, I want to be different in certain areas. You know, I think about, um, again, a cafe. Yeah. Are your hours, you know, a little bit earlier? Are you guys open late? Like maybe, you know, less nights or less weekends, something like that. I mean, this sounds really unromantic, but the <laughs> landlord essentially said we need a breakfast spot. Okay. And that's how it happened. <laughs> that's so funny. Okay. I, I've always actually, it's it shocks people when it, I tell them I'm actually a night owl. The hardest part of my day is waking up. I really struggle with it. I have to. There's a lot of irony in that. Yeah. I have <laughs> to tell myself like, Nicole, you're just going to get through this. You yeah. got this, you got this. And it's really funny. Like my fiance, is, he's always like, you're so grumpy in the morning. He goes, mm -hmm. but it's okay. It's the good stuff. I'm like, Oh God. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just grumpy. That's it. I don't know if it's good, if it's bad. I'm just grumpy. Right, right. <laughs> you know? You're like, I don't but, need to analyze it. Yeah. It just is what it, it just is. is, what it is. <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't have this. I would be lying if I said I had this great vision, mm -hmm. you know, listening to mom and dad, seeing what their life was like, how I'm going to change it, how I'm going to emulate it. No, I just pretty much took the landlord's needs and made it into something that I was proud of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? That's really special because I, I I was I was pretty sure you would have at least one thing to say. Like there would be kind of something that you wanted to make sure you did or make sure that you didn't do. Yeah. And it almost makes it that much cooler that it was really like no. There I didn't follow a framework. I didn't make a list of pros and cons. I didn't follow a roadmap. Yeah. It really just goes to show how much of you is put into this business, which it, it takes a lot of energy, effort, talent, and the fact that it's so successful says a lot. So I, I, you know what? I'm Thank happy. You. I'm happy with those answers. <laughs> I will not press any further. It sounds good to me. Thank you. Um, I am curious though. Um, you had shared with me that prior to your parents meeting and getting married, um, they were both separately in the restaurant business and space already, right? Your dad was in Manhattan. Your mom was here in Boston. My parents, my mom was in the restaurant industry already. She had opened up her own restaurant in Chinatown mm -hmm. and she had my oldest sister from her previous marriage. So she had a young daughter and she had her parents and she was going after it, making money, 
building her business. My dad walked into her restaurant when he was visiting Boston from Manhattan. He was actually in the travel business. Oh, okay. Had never been in the restaurant industry, but had a huge passion for dining. Mm. And so it's no coincidence that, okay. you know, these worlds collided. Mm, yeah. Okay. So dad learned a lot from mom. There's a, yeah. there's a pattern here. I'm actually getting to something. So yes. I think that's actually <laughs> even better. But what I thought was really cool and probably says a lot about how you've become such a powerhouse and probably learned a lot from your mother is it was your mom's concept. It was her idea. She opened it up, but she had a little bit of reservation on how people would um, perceive, perceive the like credibility or validity of the of the restaurant yeah. being run or operated by a woman. So yes. she ultimately allowed her father, your grandfather, to be the face. And yes. so people would Everyone think an older Henry. man yeah. was, was the one making the decisions there when mm -hmm. in fact she was the brains. Yes, she, it was her restaurant and my grandfather, Henry, ran you know the bar. He knew everybody. He would sling drinks. <sighs> and that's what, I guess that was just the family business. And mm -hmm. she positioned my parents, my grandparents, as if they were the owners because it was more maybe credible for the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, my my dad used to say, I walked into the restaurants and saw your grandmother stacking chairs. I started helping her. So it was, you know, my grandparents that he saw first. Wow. Yeah. Well, your grandfather sounds like a cool dude. I, wanna, I wish I could have <laughs> yes. slung back some drinks with him. So my kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but where your mother um, sort of hid behind her femininity, right, and kind of put her, her father at the forefront, Vester has coincidentally become extremely female driven, focused, centered and operated. You have mm. a predominantly female um, team, team yeah. right? Um, was that, tell me, cause I know it wasn't a conscious decision. You, right. you had mentioned that to me. So how does that kind of, when you look back and compare the two, do you ever have those moments of reflection where you're like, wow, it's so cool to see how far we've come and how times have changed and how we can lean into that as a positive Absolutely. rather than being ashamed of it? Of course. I I definitely did not open Vester with intention of making it, you know, a super femme concept or run by women. It's just, it was a byproduct of it. And I think that over time, the staff, it just grew more and more as women identified and the women that were, the people that were rising into leadership positions happened to be women. And I'm just excited that we can create a space that promotes it and allows it. And I feel like when that opportunity is handed to you, there's nothing that you can do, but have a responsibility of delivering and making it known, being proud of it. And, you know, we're in the perfect place at the perfect time, I think, to foster that. So yeah. I'm really, really proud of it. And it's it's become almost an, a new mission. Not mm -hmm. it, it has become a mission. Yeah. And it's the thing that I'm most proud of. You should be proud of. That's <laughs> very, very cool. I'm sure um, it's it's nice for your family to see that too and sort of how far it's all come. But I'm curious, some of those maybe fears or reservations that your mom may have had about putting herself at the forefront, you as a female business owner, do you feel like you've ever experienced some of that stigma or different treatment um, for being a woman and not a man? 
Have that has that happened at all for I, you? I can't say that I have. That's but fantastic. Then again, yeah, but then again, I own a small local business. I am minority and I'm in Cambridge. So I feel like I'm like of the fabric of Cambridge, you know, but I won't forget, you know, some of, most of the vendors are the people that I worked with to open up the cafe. And it, it, frankly, I didn't even think twice about it until I met with a vendor for the doormat, the big rug, when you walk in that says Vester. Mm -hmm. And he said, he goes, are you, are you the owner? And I said, yeah. He goes, can you tell me how a young woman starts her own business? Like he was, he was just, I think it was more of a oh, fascination. It was the yeah. first time anyone has addressed, had addressed it. And I think till this day. And I was like, I just, I got an opportunity. This is what I do. Okay. And this is what I, this is what I'm doing, I guess. Like it just didn't, it didn't occur to me that that was unique. Mm -hmm. I, I ne myself never paid attention to it. So I think it's talked about more, but it was never made clear to me and it's never been a stigma for me. That's, that's great. Yeah. But it is, it's, that is so right. I think like, why should it be surprising? Why should it have to be a conversation? Like for you and your perspective, you you never plan on this being a topic of conversation, like a, a thing, yeah. like why is this a big a deal? Like I'm just doing something for myself because I saw the window and, or I saw the door open for me. Right. And I walked through it yeah. um, where some people that's, it's like still a little bit crazy for them to it wrap their heads around. Back. Yeah. 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 It doesn't have to. It does not have to. It does not have to. Um, you mentioned this. We're, we've talked about this a little bit. I kind of want to shift gears a little bit outside sure. the restaurant, going more into sort of being a woman and some yeah. other things. In true entrepreneurial fashion, yeah. not only are you, you know, managing two different locations, you are planning your wedding and you have an event going on. You have the wedding next week. You're doing this. You have dinner plans, like your schedules all over the place. Oh, I don't yeah. know how you keep it organized. <laughs> I truly, truly don't. Um, but I don't know if it's necessarily common knowledge for, for everyone, but you had shared with me that your father was actually 58 when he had you. Yes, when um, I was born. When you were born, right? So um, you now have a fiance, this wedding, who's 20 years older. It was about a 20 years uh, age he, gap, right? He would like to argue 19. 19. I, I, I had a feeling as soon as it came out of my mouth that like you were going to say that, but yeah. it's coming from him. For one week of the year, he is 20 years older. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell him it's kind of sexy. Yeah, it is. But I'm curious, how did or did it at all your father's age having you affect, you know, impact, have any sort of weight on um, you ending up finding your soulmate in the love of your life with an older man. Right. No, I think that I, you could easily say it doesn't matter because I know mm -hmm. a lot, I, I know a lot of people who've had much older parents, older fathers, but I do specific re recall at dinner one time, dad said to me, the man that you end up will be a minimum of 10 years older than you. And I was shocked. I really? was, I think I was 16. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, so you were crazy. still super young when he said that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that is, that's insane. Yeah. Like, oh, that's, that feels like a lot. That means 
if I'm 16, he's 26. That's wild. And he goes, not really. He's like, well, by the time you're older, it won't feel that way. And I said, then why, why are you saying that it, my future partner is going to be 10 years older? And dad said, because of the relationship you have with me. And I didn't understand it, but I think because dad was, it wasn't that he was 58 when he had me. I think it was the wisdom that he had. You know, he grew up, was born into China, you know, a man of the South, Nanjing, the former, the former capital of China that was raided by Japan. And, you know, he went to 13 different schools in 12 years because of the war, went to school at night. And according, you know, to my family had PTSD from the bombings up until before I was born. And so he's, I feel like he's lived nine lives. Yeah. (laughs) He's like a cat. Yeah. He lived (laughs) uh, in Manhattan during the studio 54 days, partied there, you know, had all these different careers, dated many women, exotic women, Mm, international women. Yeah. Dad dated, you know, Miss Universe runner up. Oh, movie stars. Damn, that must be a stud. He had an album of women that he dated. And they were like, I was just like, oh my God, they were gorgeous. No. And yeah, dad was like a friend, a best friend. And we had an amazing equal relationship. We were best friends. Mm -hmm. And I just learned so much from him. And we talked so candidly from a very young age for me. And I think it was just the relationship that I had with him. We were equals. We were partners. We were friends and we were roommates. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because I do think in, you know, today's day and age, like in like it's more in this modern environment, like it's more and more common that we're seeing age gaps. So I don't think it's necessarily groundbreaking or all that crazy, but I do think it's just pertinent to you in particular, knowing that that was sort of your situation to see if there was any influence there. Um, I do think that I, I I would have to say like that wisdom that you're talking about and the relationship that you had with him, it's almost like, because your dad was that much wiser and that yeah. had that much more experience, like you're not going to tolerate a guy who's immature and who, you yeah. know, isn't ambitious, doesn't have his stuff together. I feel like you really want that. I would, I would imagine, I don't want to yeah. put words in your mouth, but like, I imagine that really shaped um, you sort of defining the type of man that you wanted to be with and having different sort of priorities because you had that experience with him and you kind of knew better. You yeah. learned before all of the rest of us. Thanks. <laughs> I, I wish, uh, Dad, I no. mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to age him by any means, but I'm no. like, man, that no, would have been nice. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like I, I talked about it with my friends. I'm like, you know, there's two types of daddy issues, right? Yeah. There's one, you know, like most of the time it's associated with this deficit, right? Mm-hmm. Like we missed something. We don't, we didn't have that fail, that, that dominant male figure. Yes. And in my, I think in my history, in my world, it empowered me so aggressively that I was put first. I was so loved and nurtured by that relationship, that male relationship, that it was really hard for me to date actually, because I always identified first as my father's daughter. Mm. And it was really, it was really hard to let go, let, to let loose, to be casual as much as I loved to 
think that I would want to be. I wanted to be Samantha Jones from Sex and the City. <laughs> That's like, I love her. Yeah. But never got there. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I mean, I obviously was just making a little joke, but I, but I totally relate. My dad is my yeah. very best friend in the whole entire world. He's my favorite human. I adore him. Yeah. And when you said that to me, like this daddy issues, I'm like, that's how I feel. And it's yeah. not the typical connotation or definition of the term. It's almost the opposite. Like I have, I've been single for a very long time. I've never been one to like date around, sleep around. Like yeah. that's just not in me because for me, like my daddy issues is he's at the bar so high. Like I just don't want to taint. Uh, yeah. There's, yeah. I just feel like I almost would be letting him down in like a right, weird it's an honor way, for me. you know? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. I want to do them right. That's really cool. I like that you can put that positive spin on it. Um, but I'm curious, you know, you guys are, are getting married. Your fiance is, um, he was, he has not been married or have kids prior. So this Correct. is a first marriage for the both of you. It is. Um, and you are being 32, almost 33. Yeah. Do you, is children something you want down the road? And do you think that um, your father's age will have any impact in that decision, knowing that Harrison is 51? Yeah. Because um, you did share that, unfortunately, you lost your father in, in a couple of years ago, right? Actually, no, a while ago. A while ago? You were 15, nine, I was 19. 19. Okay, 19. Yeah. So, so it was been, a while ago. Yeah. yeah. Which... Because I think, you know, that he's had you later in his life, so mm -hmm. to speak. So although you had such amazing, you know, few years with him, 19 years with him, yeah. um, do you think about, well, I don't want my, my kids <laughs> to then feel like, you know, sure. and God forbid, hopefully that wouldn't happen. Right. Yeah. But is that like a reality you have to think about? Well, of course, I, th I think we do, you yeah. know, because P society, here we go again. Yeah. Puts the pressure that we have a clock and we do, mm -hmm. right? And stupid freaking clock. I know, stupid clock. Freaking hate that clock. Stupid clock. Stupid uh, clock. But <laughs> like, I think... I think if you were to ask me if I wanted children when I was 21, I'd say, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would want the house with the picket fence, two kids, one boy, one girl. You yeah. know, I think... And I wonder, is that what society told me that I should do? Or is that because that's what I wanted? Mm -hmm. I'll be totally honest. As a kid, I always said, sure, maybe I'll have a kid, but I really don't feel like pushing it out. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need the I third degree tear, you know? <laughs> and so do, we, do I yeah. want kids? To be honest, I'm not sure. Um, I think that I've always waited for the partner to show itself first. And now that the partner has, I think, you know, we've talked about it and mm -hmm. he has some trauma in the family in the past. I think that held him back from wanting to, to do it potentially again. So in all transparency, and I asked Harrison if it was okay to talk about that and he absolutely supported it. And basically when he was 15, his older brother had gotten in a really terrible car accident and Ted was brain damaged. And of course that turns the family upside down. And from age 16 until 50, Ted was in a chair 
And Harrison really took on the mission of being Ted's guardian. And when the parents would pass, he would assume responsibility for Ted. And it really came down to, as Harrison says it, wiping my brother's ass. And I have huge respect for it. That is the ultimate love. And I can only imagine what he must have felt to think, I can't ever do this for someone again, or I can't put someone else in this position. But the amount of growth that I've seen my fiance go through has been so phenomenal. The way that he has, I think, discovered himself in the last four years since Ted's passing. And I think the the path that we're on together has been an enormous adventure. And I'm really proud of the progress that he's made, that we've made, that I've made. And when it comes to kids, I'm really not sure, but it's an open conversation and we both are open to talking about it. I think before it was an area of tension mm-hmm. and an area of discomfort. There was a wall there and that was really hard. But now that I think we're both a little bit more liberated, we know it's on the table. And we even said, once we get married in five years, we're going to go to a marriage counselor and assess where we are and see how we feel. Because for me, I still have time. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to remind ourselves just because you pursue one path, it doesn't have to close doors. You can always change paths. You know, so much can happen in one year, six months. It, you know, you don't have to define what the future holds in this moment. Yeah. I mean, we kind of joked about this when we were chit-chatting yesterday, but, you know, I, I'm a huge believer in the saying that, um, Whenever you make plans, God and whoever your God is, yeah. the universe from ever laughs. Yeah. And it's so true because we can work to create this entire list of things and this order that we want to achieve and how, what steps we're going to take. Yeah. But you just never know what's going to come yeah. at you, right? Or what, what position you're going to find yourself in. So it's really being able to adjust along the way Absolutely. too. And if things don't go exactly as you had intended, that doesn't mean it didn't work out. It doesn't mean it was a failure. It just means it was supposed to be another way or there's yeah. more ways that you could have envisioned for, for yourself. You know, I mean, how many times have, have people been like, well, you know, I'm in this predicament because of, you know, no, no fault of my own. Like it just, it sort of happened and I had no decision and no choice in the matter, but I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't want it any other way, right? Exactly. Like it's kind of just being yeah. open to to that too and just yeah. allowing whatever is to come. Listening come. to yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then another thing that I think about when it comes to the, the children question is um, with a career that is so demanding, mm-hmm. do you think about like, 
the whole idea or concept of having it all and whether or not that's attainable? Is it this pressure that we put on ourselves? Can we have it all? What does that even mean? Like what what comes to mind for you when you when you think about can I do, you know, the job and the husband and the kids and the franchising and oh all gosh. this, you know? I mean, when I think about the future, that's a huge question. When I think about the future, I don't think about the having it all. Yeah. For me, I think it's identifying what does having it all mean to you, mm-hmm. right? What is, how does that embody in your life? And for me, it's, it's having independence. It's having a good relationship. I believe you know, me and Harrison, we believe the quality of your life equals the quality of your relationships and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So for me, having it all is rich relationships, good people, independence, and being able to make decisions that you feel solid and behind that you can go to bed at night and look at yourself, knowing that it was the right, it was the right thing to do. It was the humane thing to do. And that at the end of the day, you're being true. So I look less about, I think what everybody usually says is having it all, whether it's the family, Mm -hmm. you know, the car, the house, Fuck that. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know if that's allowed to say. Absolutely. And it's perfect for (laughs) for that scenario. So it's encouraged. But yeah, I think it's having it all doesn't necessarily need to be how societal norm defines it. Yeah. It can be whatever you interpret it as. It's your life. Mm -hmm. This is not a dress rehearsal. It's not. Girl, the one-liners, <laughs> I'm into them. I'm definitely into them. You've got some good ones. Thank you. And speaking of which, yeah. you had another little, the daddy issues that you got all these little sayings. And I was like, hold on. These are all <laughs> just clicking with me. But um, kind of on the same topic, when, when you think about having it all and like, is it selfish to be a working mom and to have my kids and my husband at home and not being able to be present the day to day, right? Or is it selfish to to want more for myself and not be ready to settle down right now? All these different things we hear about, like, you know, when women want to put mm-hmm. our careers first, like we're yeah. selfish, right? Where men don't necessarily get that um, same sort of response mm-hmm. often, um, more often than not. But especially when it comes to kind of having the children, what you said to me is it's the most selfish and the most selfless thing all sort of at the same time. And I could not agree more because my friends and I, my, one of my girlfriends, Arielle and I were really recently having a conversation and we were talking about having kids and how, you know, we're really fortunate that times have changed and it's something that we can do later in our life. Um, But you know, you kind of, I've seen as, as everyone around me too gets a little bit older, sometimes you may not want kids and then you find that person that you're meant to be with. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, I can see that for me. So it can kind of change, but like we were trying to pinpoint, like, what is it about having children? Like, what's the reason for having kids? You know, what, why why do we want to have children? And is it like to have that family experience? Sure. But then what is that? Like having children is almost this selfish thing. Like we want to, we want a family. So we're going to bring a life that has no say in the matter 
into this world. Correct. You know, we want to see what me and my my husband's genes are going to look like in our <laughs> DNA and how cute our little kid will be, right? Like, yeah. we want to pass on the family name or the right. legacy. There's all these different reasons why we want, want. to have children. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think if you boil it down, it can seem selfish to have kids. However, if you make the decision to have kids, it is the most selfless thing that you can do to yes. parent them, nurture them, provide a healthy, happy home, teach them values and good oh morals. Gosh, yeah. That is selfless. The sacrifice a parent makes. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 when you said like this selfish versus selfless, it was spot on. And I'm curious, like, where did you first kind of come up with that? Or did you think of it that? Was it just conversations with you and Harrison? Well, my father actually never intended to have kids. He really? wanted to be a bachelor. He really oh, yes. enjoyed the it. The photo album of yeah. his one. I, I remember. <laughs> um, but he he had no intention of having children. And he, he said very openly to my sisters and I, the moment that he did have them, he felt nothing but responsibility. But of course, as time passed, he said it's his greatest joy and his greatest gift. And if you can turn a non-believer into a, you know, the person that says it was the greatest thing that happened to them, wow, that's pretty amazing. And I never really understood how that progression happened. And then Harrison was the one that said, you know, having kids is an extremely selfish thing to do. And I was trying to understand where he was coming from because I see the women around me and it's extremely giving. It Mm -hmm. seems more giving than I want to give. (laughs) It's like waking up early. It looks like pumping. It looks like exhaustion. It looks like a lot of Uber driving. (laughs) That mom taxis. That's a lot. Service, yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, wow, you know, it is actually the most selfish and the most self selfless thing to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think in order to do it properly and to do it with responsibility and integrity, it, it takes everything you got. It is the biggest role. And, you know, if you're going to dive into that, you got to be full speed with intention. Yeah. And I think that that relationship between child and parent is the just personification of unconditional love. You know, when I think about my love, the unconditional love I have for my parents, it stems from the gratitude for everything. Like I could never give my, give back what my parents have done for me. And I'm eternally grateful for them for that. But I also know I'm going to see a whole other type of unconditional love when I think about my relationship with my, you know, hopefully child one day if I have one. Right. So, but it's, it's two different ends of the spectrum. But still, I think in in many ways, the only opportunity to be able to really have that, you know, it's pretty it's pretty powerful. And you and I are not even on the other side, but it's I know. like I, the magnitude of it is is mega and I don't underestimate it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're gonna start to wrap up here, but I'm curious. 10 years from now, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll kind of take the kids and all that <laughs> stuff out of it. Let's sure. like, you know, zoom out for a second. 10 years from now, what does the future look like for Nicole? 42. Actually, that's my friend's joke that 42 is the age that I've spiritually been born. Really? <laughs> They're always like, Nicole's 42 years old. And all right. I don't know. I just feel like 
I'm really excited for that. Yeah. You know, I can't wait to meet myself on the other side. And I think no more about myself, more established further down the line and embracing getting older. I yeah. think 40s are amazing. I'm excited for 50s too. And I joke a lot that, you know, I admire JLo. Oh my gosh. Like she's killing it. You know, mm -hmm. I love that. And I think that 42, Nicole, I think she's a more enhanced version of who I am today. That's really sweet. Yeah. Do you think there'll be more investors down the road? Do you want to keep it small? What about business wise? I don't know. I feel like there might be something else. Ooh. Yeah. I'm always looking for something new. I love Vester. Don't get me wrong, but we don't need more cafes. Mm -hmm. I think we need experiences. And I don't know what that next thing is, but I have ideas of, you know, how I could use my cre creativity, move it forward. And I don't know, there's a few things that roam in the back of my mind and I'm just waiting to tap into them. I'm not ready yet, but I think there's a lot of good stuff coming and I feel more creative than ever, more excited than ever. And frankly, just bold. I'm not yeah. afraid to like swing for the fences. I think coming out of the last three years, almost losing the business has really allowed me to take risks with it. And, you know, People can say what they want about how we brand, you know, the photo shoots that we do. I love pushing the boundaries and whatever we do, it has to have passion. It has to have fun, creativeness and just challenging the norm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that wisdom you have. You're like, I'm not confining myself to any box. Okay. I'm <laughs> going no. to just see where it takes me. And I think Absolutely. that's really beautiful. And that's clearly been a common thread for your entire story. So that's a great answer. The last question that I ask everybody is the, the final piece of advice, um, whether it is your kind of go-to um, that you lean on or that you tell others something that you maybe wish that younger Nicole knew, um, or if you have that just like staple. This is how I try to, you know, words to live by. You got anything for the people? I think more than ever, trust your instincts. And it's such a given, right? Like people are always like, listen to that little voice, listen to your gut. But I think when it comes to business and personal, I think it's gotten me this far. And it's the one thing that has allowed me to stay true to myself. Because if I'm not listening to that voice inside. Who am I listening to? And it's really seared me in the right path in my work and in my personal life. I don't think that I would be where I am today without it. Wonderful. <laughs> Such a good answer. It's a great way to end it. Um, tell everybody where they can find you. It's Vester Cafe. And yes. then your personal is just the official Nicole. Liu. Yeah. Right? There's okay. um, so many Nicole Liu's out there, like there, thousands. There so. are. Okay. Yeah. Is it, was so. there any underscores? I couldn't remember for a second if there was yeah. a Nicole underscore. It's just, just the official well, Nicole Liu. <laughs> there may be many out there, but none have got the Instagram handle. Okay? That's right. And yes, Investor is just at Vester Cafe. Vester Cafe. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for Thank being here so and coming much. on. It was so great to meet you in person. Have you pleasure. here. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you in a couple weeks for season four. Bye. Bye.